following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. To, to those who are new visiting us, um, CCF, that we are going through this, um, we have been going through the book of Exodus for many months. And last week, actually, we looked at the last chapter of Exodus. Tim did a great job of finishing it off, Tim Miskiman. So many teams here. Pastor Tim, one who is away in America, has decided to conclude the journey through Exodus. Not with the glory of God filling the temple, but with a snapshot from Leviticus. Now, it is tempting to move from Exodus right into the book of Leviticus. But he thought one full year in the OT is more than enough. And not only for him, for us also. We need to move to other things. But we cannot really leave Exodus without seeing how the tabernacle operates. We found the structure the, the stuff that goes into it. Uh, we saw the dress of the high priest. Amazing, incredible. And everything has followed to the letter of instruction, to, even to the final letter. Now, Leviticus is actually a user manual for the tabernacle. What happens every day in it, or in that place, is described and talked about the rules and regulations um, in, the, in the book of Leviticus. Now we are not going into Leviticus. He has asked me, it is good to have a snapshot of Leviticus. So he picked chapter 16. Um, and I think it summarizes the book, uh, book of Leviticus. Leviticus, the main theme, be holy for I am holy, could be termed as the motto of Leviticus. Certainly the words holy, clean, unclean, and cognate words are among the most common in the book. Under the law, almost everything is purified by blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, the author of Hebrews in New Testament had this rites described in Exodus, Numbers, and even in Leviticus in his mind. Because Leviticus is particularly concerned with sacrifice devoting its first 17 chapters to explaining the occasions, the how, um, and all this thing of the correct procedures to be followed in sacrifice. Now, I really want to read Leviticus 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain, in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. Because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area, with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on a sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, community 
he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lord as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert of escape as a scapegoat. Verse 11, Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin, offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handful of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood and with his finger sprinkle it on the friend of the atonement cover and then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it in this way he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of Israelites. Whatever their sins have been, he is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one needs to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out. Having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel, then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it with consecrated from the uncleanness of the Israelites. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all the sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself and the sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. Verse 29, I'm missing a few verses there. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourself and not do any work, whether native-born or alien living among you. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you, to cleanse you, then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. It is, Sabbath, it is a Sabbath of rest, and you must deny yourself. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priest and all the people of the community. 
This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites, as it was done, and it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. It's a pretty bloody chapter in its real sense. So much blood. I wanted to get a goat or a chicken at least. But I'm from Dubai. I mean, there's a camel here. Um, this is the one I found to just to give you an impression of. This is so tiny. I, I just want to picture with me uh, the events that happen during a worship service. In, I mean, this is unclean. I'm sorry. Nobody should be offended. This is an unclean animal. Very smelly. We'll leave it there. But this is um, supposed to be a pigeon or a dove or a, it's a bird. It's a clean animal. So those who are offended, this is okay. Um, but just imagine all these live animals, all these requirements of blood everywhere. Um, for me, it is a quite an awkward setting. In fact, in fact, it is quite alien to us what it's been said there. It's quite familiar in our head. Uh, the words, sacrifices, um, blood, sprinkled, nice words. But in reality, it is pretty gruesome. I want to call this chapter a great cover-up. In the book, it is called as the Day of, Day of Atonement, in English at least. In English, it just means at one with God. The Hebrew word kafar is to cover over or to appease. I don't know whether you've been reading newspapers these days. The KFJ classified files has been cleared to come out. What are they covering up? What are they hiding? There are so many people trying to hide a lot of things. How do we hide our sins? How do we hide our uncleanness before the Lord? See, the, the Day of Atonement is one of the Jewish feasts. With the blowing of the trumpet called the Shofar, the Hebrews would begin every year with repentance, fasting, and soul searching. It is a time of deep sorrow over sin and plea of God to renew and restore the community. This 10-day period leads up to the Day of Atonement, or what Jewish people called as Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a fascinating day full of rituals and reverence, and it is also very gruesome. This was the great Day of Atonement. This was the day that God himself has appointed. This was the day when Aaron the high priest would be the mediator, when Aaron the high priest would stand between God and the people. On this day, seventh month, tenth day, atonement would be made for the sins of the whole Israelites. This atonement provided the way for the people to be one with God. I could easily call it as the Good Friday of the Old Testament. Now, this is how Aaron should enter the sanctuary, which we've been talking about in the last few weeks. The beautiful, uh, well-instructed architecture of the tabernacle from the 
holies to the holy of holies. He needs to enter the sanctuary area with a young bull, of, bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Just imagine these animals. Have you ever seen them? They're big. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him. See, picture 2,000 people gathering together, 200,000. They have just finished 10 days of weeping, fasting, and praying so that they can come before the Lord to be cleansed and have their sins removed. Aaron the high priest at this time is charged with this awesome responsibility of going into the presence of God on their behalf. God has given very specific instructions of how the priest was to dress. Now we have seen the dress of the Old Testament priest in the previous days. It's pretty awesome. I wish I got one. Too many diamonds. I don't even have one. Uh, It's pretty awesome. But in this particular occasion, he needs to be stripped of everything that makes him the most important person. He used to come humbly by just wearing the tunic and the linen that just cover his bare body. He can't have... He had, the high priest in his sacred garb could make one amazed and astonished beyond words. There was something otherworldly about this whole affair on the Day of Atonement. The God of Israel, our, whole, our God, is a holy God. And man, even if he is the high priest or the most important person... He could not simply crawl out of the bed and go into his presence. The certain things that the high priest was required to do before he was allowed to access to the Holy of Holies. If he came in without meeting that standard set by God, he would be met with the same fate as his children. Nadab and Abihu. I think I'm saying all these names correctly. It's written in English, so it's it's a trouble. Now, Nadab and Abihu, you know what they did? They were sons of Aaron. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, They each took their censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he has not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Can you hear these things happening in church when you come? You come to worship and I'm standing here and fire coming out of here to grab you for all your sins. This is a very reverent place in the Old Testament. It's very serious. See, the purpose of the law is to prevent Aaron, in theory at least, the holiest man in Israel, to prevent him suffering a sudden death when he enters the tabernacle. The rites teach that no man however holy you are, can approach the presence of God without appropriate atonement being made. Jewish tradition tells us that they sewed bells at the bottom of his um, uh, bottom hem of the high priest's robe and they also tied a rope around his ankle so that whenever the high priest walked around in the Holy of Holies, they would hear the bells and they know that he's alive. If the bell stopped ringing, that would mean something has happened to the high priest. And no one dared to enter the Holy of Holies to see what happened. So the rope was used to pull out the high priest. After washing his body and putting on the holy garments, the priest is ready to begin. Okay? His first sacrifice is a bull. 
I sometimes earn for a bit of beef, good beef. But here is a bull that is going to be going to be sacrificed for the sins and to be sprinkled upon different objects in the Holy of Holies to make it pure. He takes a bull and applies the blood for his own sins so that his own sins can be forgiven. Only then he can offer a sacrifice for others. He enters the Holy of Holies with hot coals in one hand and incense in another. He would drop the coals on the ground and pour the incense over the over the coal, creating a sweet fog of fragrance. He would then sprinkle the blood of the bull on the altar and on the mercy seat. After he has atoned for himself and his family, he would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the community. Imagine the sin. I just want you to imagine. You need to try hard. You might have to think about some of the classic movies that you have watched. Hundreds of thousands of worshippers have gathered to be reminded of God's grace and mercy. And the high point of the day is when two gods are brought to him. One of them is sacrificed, the other is brought to him alive. One takes the punishment and the other is taken away. Why gods? They considered to be a clean animal during that time, especially the Syrian gods. One theory is that the God smells and symbolizes the stench of sin to God. Because I come from Dubai. How many of you know what shawarma is? Uh, it's a meat hanging on a, on a road and it goes round and round. I don't know what it's called in your countries. Shawarma, yeah. We call it shawarma in Arabic. And um, we just have to be one kilometer away that you can smell it. And whatever you're going to eat that night, you will forget because of the smell. That doesn't happen with beef or chicken. (laughs) But God is, uh, it has a stench from my own experience. Perhaps God has the Hebrews sacrifice goats to make sure that they did not sacrifice two goats. Because in those period, goats were worshipped. And it's good to know that the Israelites are not again turning back on God and worshipping those goats. In fact, they are sacrificing them. I mean, it, is, it may have been another way to affirm that Hebrews were different than the other nations around them. Now, anyway, when Aaron has finished making the atonement for most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the sins and wickedness and rebellion of Israelites. And he has to put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all the sins to a solitary place. And the man shall release it. Now the high priest would take his hands and lay them on the goat. Now this is the pinnacle of the ten day morning, okay? Where they have been waiting for. That the whole sins that has been fallen through the crack by all the other offerings they have made through the years that will be covered by this sacrifice. That there might be burned offerings and sin offerings that has been made throughout the year. There might have people who had money could bring goats and sacrifice for their own sins. 
But this might be a time when all of the sins that has been not counted for will be laid on the goat. Then in one symbolic act, the sins are taken care for the next year. The priest's voice booms out of this tent and it hushes the crowds and it goes like this maybe. He will scream out, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, immorality, impurity, theft, profanity, one by one. The sins we will shout out. Individuals in the throng hang their heads maybe in shame. He continues. He comes to the respected sins that cannot be seen outside. Bitterness, hatred, jealousy, greed, lust, envy, selfishness, oath-breaking, and pride. Oh, I can go on with the list. By this time, you can hear loud weeping. I mean, the goat, poor goat, might have been struggling with the weight of these sins. See, I come from India. I love animals. And I have a special connection to them. So I'm feeling a very emotional at the moment, thinking about all these animals that have been sacrificed just for the sake of the sins of the people. The goat appropriately called the scapegoat. It is led outside the camp by a Gentile or by somebody who had no connection with the people of Israel. Most probably that is what some commentators say. But the others say that whoever is appointed to take that, they will carry and banish the goat into the, uh, into the wilderness or the desert. They call the scapegoat in, in Hebrew, Ozazel, which just simply means banished or removed. It is removed from the side. All of the collective sins were placed on the head of this goat and then disappear into the desert outside the city. In the time of Christ, they still did this every year. And at that time, we have records that the goat would be led to a high rock about 12 miles from Jerusalem where it would be pushed over the edge and killed so the sins would never come back to the camp or to the city. Now, a very interesting tradition went along with this. A red cloth was tied to the horns of the goat to represent the sins of the people. A red cloth was also tied to the gate of the temple or the, uh, the gates of the camp. During the coming year, the cloth will slowly turn white. Then the people could be assured of their forgiveness. Isaiah may have been thinking about this when he wrote, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Jewish writings actually tell us that 40 years before the temple was destroyed in 1980 or 7080, the red cross suddenly stopped turning white. Maybe something extraordinary must have happened around AD 30. What could that have been? If you turn to John 19, Jesus is brought to a man named Pilate. The high priest and the teachers of the law demand that Jesus be killed. They have placed guilt over his head. Jesus is beaten. A crown of thorns are placed on his head. A ring of crimson blood circles his head. Pilate, mocking the Jews, presents Jesus and says, Here is your king. What is the next thing the crowd says? I thought 
as soon as I was writing this, crucify him. Right? Do you know what did they say? They yelled, take him away. That is what they shouted. So Jesus is taken outside. They also shouted, crucify him. (laughs) He's taken outside the camp by Gentiles. With the crowd shouting, most probably, Ozazel. It means a demon out there. I wonder if the good Jewish guys in the crowd, the one that knew their Torah well, who have seen year after year the Ozazel, or the God that has been called as the scapegoat, taken outside the city year after year, did they see the striking symbolism? What's happening here? Did they get it? Was this ultimate Yom Kippur that they were celebrating? You know, when I was thinking through this, for over 1400 years, God has watched from heaven the endless sacrifice of lambs and rams and goats and bulls, and you name it. And it was a real rehearsal of the true atonement. And now, as they led Jesus out of the garden, the moment of truth was at hand. The true Lamb of God would be led, tied, and bound like a lamb to slaughter. With vindictive, cruel hatred, they beat, mocked, and whipped the Lamb of God after which they led Jesus' tired and battered body up the road to Golgotha, carrying a heavy wooden crossbeam. I don't know how, what you think. I, I just want to feel how God felt when he looked down from heaven. How did he feel the suffering of his son? The, the real truth is, every year, God for 1,400 years, were reminded the fact that your son, my only son, is going to take that place one day. Max Lucado, you know, six hours on Friday, his book captures in piercing detail the thoughts of God. It was just an imagination. But I'd like to read it to you. Soldiers, you think you let him? Robs, you think you bind him? Men, do you think you sentenced him? He heeds not your commands. He wins us not at your lashes. It's my voice he obeys. It is my condemnation he dreads. And it is your soul he saves. Oh, my son, my child, look up into the heavens and see my face before I turn it. Hear my voice before I silence it. Could I save you and them? But they don't see and they don't hear. The living must die so that the dying can live. The time has come to kill the lamb. Here is my cup, my son. The cup of sorrows. The cup of sin. The sin. Yes, be true to your task. Let your ring be heard throughout the heavens. Lift him, soldiers. Lift him high to the throne of mercy. Lift him him up to his perch of death. Lift him above the people who curse his name. Is there no angel to save my Isaac? Is there no hands to redeem the Redeemer? Here is my cup, my son. Drink it alone. Every lie, every lure, and every act done in the shadows was in that cup. Slowly and hideously they were absorbed into his body. 
the final act of incarnation. The spotless lamb was blemished. The flames began to lick at his feet and the king obeys his own edict. Where is the poison? There will be death. Where are the goblets? There will be fire. The king turned away from his prince. The undiluted wrath of sin-hating father falls upon his sin-filled son. The fire envelops him. The shadow hides him. The son looked to his father, but his his father cannot be seen. He cries out, My God, my God, why? Jesus Christ shed his blood, paid our penalty, suffered our death. And Jesus rose from the dead and he carried his blood atonement into the throne room of the heavenly father, removing our sin. See, one thing that the priest in the Old Testament was never allowed to do was to sit down. His work was never done. He either stands or he falls dead because of his sins. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, ever, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, then they would, not, they would have stopped offering sacrifices. The worshippers would not have been cleansed for the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all. And they would not have been guilty for their sins. They didn't have to put their hands year after year on this lamp or the goat, sorry. And declare their sins and send him out into the wilderness. Those sacrifices were annual reminders of the people of Israel about their sins. And knowing full, it is impossible to take the sins away by the blood of the bulls or goats. See, the day of atonement was a shadow. A symbol of a time that sins would be taken off and the people would be cleansed once and for all. But the reality was coming. Since that time, Jesus went into the Holy of Holies in heaven. He offered the blood to the propitiation of our sins. And he sat down at the right hand of God. He waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever, forever who, those who are being made holy. He sat down. It is finished. Atonement has been made. We have been, we have been covered now. He has taken all our sins on himself and became the final sacrifice. Jesus, the ultimate high priest, paid for our sins. Knowing that we could never pay for it by anything that we can do. Yes, this was the end of the sacrificial system. The price has been paid, the debt has been taken care of, and he sat down. See, 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah wrote about this sacrifice. He said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, 
we are healed. See, we all are like sheep that has gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, so that we might die to the sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Listen how Paul put it in second letter to the church at Corinthian. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become righteousness of God. God wants to give us freedom. God is the freedom, God is in the freedom business. And Jesus, the ultimate scapegoat, took your sin and nailed it to the cross so we could live free. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And Paul adamantly writes in Romans, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Let's thank God for his grace that he, was, he has given us. Sometimes when Jesus stands before the throne of grace, I imagine listening this. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our, all, all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anchor, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will, we, will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat, definitely not, us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed mine and your transgressions from us. I can't call it other than a great cover-up. Because I'm still struggling with this whole idea of righteousness that I don't deserve. Even after decided to follow him, falling every day with the sins uncountable, knowingly or unknowingly falling short of the grace of God. The Lamb has taken my sins on his shoulders. Let's not take the cover of his blood that has become our righteousness for granted. Let us repent about our casualness in his presence. We actually live in the Holy of Holies because Jesus who entered the Holy of Holies in the heavenly realms, sitting at the right hand of God, has never left. In fact, he sent his spirit to dwell in our hearts and made us the temple the tabernacle of the living God. And we are his holy of holies because he dwells in our hearts. Can you imagine that people were consumed by fire and death one time in the presence of God? Can you even get your mind around it? 
they were killed as they approached the holy God because they were sinfulness in one. But today, we are his tabernacle. And our heart he leaves as the holy of holies. See, in one sense, in one sense, it doesn't make any sense to us, Leviticus. The ceremonial law in Leviticus is obsolete for the Christian. We are interested in the sacrifice of Christ, not in an animal sacrifice. But in another sense, Levitical rituals and ceremonies are of immense relevance. It was in terms of these sacrifices that Jesus himself and the early church, who were our forefathers, understood his atoning death. Otherwise they wouldn't have a clue what would have been going on. It was established by the same God who sent his son to die for us. And in rediscovering the principles of Old Testament worship written there, we may learn something, something of the way we should approach this holy God. The truth is Exodus and Leviticus teach us the worship of Yahweh was not something they could just take shortcuts with. Nor were they permitted to customize or adapt it to their own ideas or convenience. Absolute obedience was required. And they followed the plan to the letter. And this is our challenge today. Friends, we as Christ followers, disciples, must obey Him. There's no other way. And practice His teaching and instructions so the world might know that Jesus is Lord and the, and the King of the universe. And He covers the sins. My mom once told me that something about the love of God is that he covers all sins but never encourages sins. Are you grateful today morning that we can sit in his presence right in the Holy of Holies and worship him without feeling the guilt? Is there anybody burdened down with your guilt or shame or your habits in the shadows? That's a lie. You've been cleansed. That's why I call it a great cover-up. Even when we are sinners, we are righteous before him because his blood covers each one of us. But what does Paul say? Because grace abounds, we let us sin more? No. Let's come back to his word. Let's follow him as truly as we can. Follow him true to the letter of the word. It's very hard in the 21st century. There are so many ideas that we need to be challenged about the way we live, the way we live our Christian faith, the way we approach Him in worship. Martin Luther, yes, Protestantism was born 500 years ago, but unfortunately there are almost 66,000 denominations. That was the last I heard from WCC. I don't know whether it has increased from there. The truth is, we are still finding shortcuts to worship God in our own convenience, in our own agendas, and that's why denominations are rising. God's prayer with his last, last commandment to us was be united.
be one, so that they may know that you are my children. Let's bow our heads. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Thank you.